morning, everyone. Let me lead us in prayer. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we've had already to gather here together as your people and to have listened to you and to heard you speak in our own lives and hearts already. But also for us to open ourselves in expressing our adoration and worship of yourself. We've heard too, Father, of the activity that you've been doing amongst us. And we pray, Father, now that you will continue to speak into our lives. Help us to be open in our hearts and minds and spirits to allow you to touch us where we need to be touched. And there will be a responsiveness in within us to what you say and to what you speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever found yourself in circumstances or in situations where you didn't desire to be? I must admit that there have been numerous times during through my life where I find myself in similar kind of situations, places where that's not where I desire to be, not necessarily where I'm comfortable, not necessarily a place where I would hope to be at that particular time. And maybe some of us even find ourselves in that kind of situation right now where we might be in a situation where there are possible strained relationships, a difficult work environment, maybe a challenging financial state of affairs, struggling with studies and so on. So then what should be our response when we do find ourselves in kind of circumstances or situations where we wish we were not in? At this particular point in the life of our church here, part of our community life, we have entered into what we call an interim or a transition period between senior pastors. Now, all of us will respond in different kinds of ways during such times. And particularly as we anticipate what might the future hold, either for us personally or as a church. For example, there may be those of us who are experiencing a measure of grief. The grief and the loss of someone whom we deeply valued and loved. And it can be quite painful at times. And we wish we, it hadn't happened. And we would like to go back to things as they were, things that we were familiar with and things in which we are, where we are comfortable. For others, we see this as just the normal part of church life. And we just want to move on quickly because the present is just an interlude. It's an inconvenience and we want to move on to new things and appoint a new pastors as soon as we can. The present becomes a burden more than anything else, something we've just got to tolerate and wish we'd get on with it. For some, there may be things that we hadn't, been overly keen about in the past. We now see the present as an opportunity to make changes before a new pastor comes. Some of us may also be so consumed about our own present circumstances we can't even think beyond tomorrow. And so we make no preparation for the future because we're only coping from one day to the next. Possibly, 
There are some who are looking forward to the future. So much so that we miss or overlook the actual opportunities that the present brings. And then there are those who are so anxious about the present. They just want the future to happen as soon as possible. So how does God want his people to live through this period for the future? How are we to live and to minister in the here and now during this period of transition while at the same time becoming ready for what God has next? How do you deal and respond to your own personal circumstances when life isn't all that you had hoped it would be? You know, throughout the Old Testament, we find stories there of people who lived for the future. We find Abraham, Moses and many others. But their future hope, their living for the future did not deprive their present circumstances of meaning, but rather it gave them a sense of the present. In fact, they're living in the present with their eye on the future was very much based on what God had done in the past, on God's past dealings with them. So that even when they found themselves in difficult or in unfamiliar circumstances, they could still look at the future with confidence and with hope and with expectation and promise and fulfilment based upon the experience that they had of God in the past. But it's also evident in the New Testament. As God's people sought to live as people of the kingdom of God, yet moving towards the kingdom to come. And friends, we're called to do likewise. So how are we to live through this transition period? How are we to minister during this period of this time now while at the same time preparing and looking forward to what God has for us into the future? In 1 Peter 2, Peter there describes God's people as being aliens in exile. And in that context, Peter was referring to the fact that in their world, they found themselves in very difficult circumstances, but it was only a temporary place of being because that wasn't to be their final home. Their real home was elsewhere. And Jeremiah 29, I believe, gives us a parallel picture of what it means for us here at Jural in our current circumstances. The problem that they faced here in exile was this. How do we, as the people of God, talking about Israel here in the time of Jeremiah, how do we live as God's people now in this place when God tells us that we are foreigners, strangers living in exile, that this isn't our ultimate home, this isn't our ultimate destination, That is, this is not where we want to be and it is something with which we are unfamiliar. And so for us, in our here at this time in our history, here in Dural, how do we make sense 
of the way that God wants us to live now as his people, being his church, while at the same time believing that God has something even far more wonderful to happen in his name. Amen? You see, God's word to the Israelites here while they're in exile in Babylon, I think has a good working understanding about this question about four specific elements of how to live now in our present circumstance but yet looking to the future. The first element which we find in verses 5 and 6 of Jeremiah 29 is that God's people although they were exiles in a foreign city a foreign place, are called to be a community together in the here and now. I mean, they found themselves in a place, in a position where they didn't want to be. It wasn't a place that they could genuinely call home. It wasn't a place where they felt particularly comfortable. You see, they yearned to be back in Jerusalem, somewhere else, And they were aware of God's promises for something better. Yet they are told that in their current circumstances, they are to build houses and to settle down. They are to plant gardens and eat what they produce. They are to marry and have sons and daughters to find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there and do not decrease. Uh, the word that I've had around this church the last few weeks tells me you're doing that pretty well. Been quite a few you bubs on the way. But the point is, they were to become and to be a community of God's people. See, though they found themselves in exile, life wasn't to stop. They were to go on being God's people in that place. What did that mean for them? Well, we know from elsewhere in Jeremiah that they, like us, were to continue to focus upon God and to worship him with all their being. You see, because they were not in Jerusalem, many of them had neglected their worship privately and corporately. And even though they despaired of their situation, God was still with them and they needed to listen. They needed to continue to hear God's word and to meet regularly to worship him. Fellowship, community and support was also to be characterised by their lives. They were to raise and to support their families and to increase in number. They were to deeply care for one another through this particular difficult time. You see, this was to be a commitment to one another as a community, rather than pursuing their own agendas, their own desires, their own wants and desires. And here in Jural, we are in an interim and transition phase as a church. And I know amongst some that creates anxiety. As your former key pastoral leader has moved away and you don't know yet who will eventually come to lead the church into a renewed future. 
And there are some of you who personally are facing difficult circumstances in your own personal lives. And maybe the one person that you trusted for support isn't any longer available. But however, during this interim period, we need to continue ministering and caring for one another. From my conversations and interactions these past couple of weeks, I know that there are numerous ministries happening among you which need your ongoing encouragement and support. But I also know, as we've already seen testified here this morning, that there are a lot of people's lives that are continuing to be touched for Jesus. And we may need to do some things better. And sometime in the future, we may need to consider way, different ways of doing a few things. But God's desire is for that we too will increase and not decrease. And that in our pastoral care for each other, that all of us, each of us, needs to consider how we might use our particular gifts and abilities and capacities throughout the church's various ministries. Because the scriptures tell us that we are all ministers of the gospel. And therefore, every one of us needs to be asking ourselves, how might God be calling me to serve in this season? It may be, it may or may not be what I did in the past. It may not necessarily be something that I will continue to do long term. But what would God have me to do at this point of time in the life of our church community here, taking into consideration my life stage and my family circumstances and my age and so on? There's much more I can say about being a community and I'm going to be taking that up next week. But I'll leave it there reminding us, as Jeremiah reminded the Israelites, that God has called us to be an ongoing community of God's people, no matter what our circumstances might be. The second element was that they weren't to forget or dismiss their past. Their immediate past is described in verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar had taken them away into exile in Babylon in a rather barbaric fashion. However, this wasn't just some kind of accident of history. It simply just wasn't an act of a tyrant. You see, the prophet interprets it in verse 4 as the words from the Lord that it is I, the Lord, who carried you into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. You see, God had brought them to this place. God had has brought us to this place at this time in our journey with him. Now, in their case, their past, their calling to be the people of God had led them into exile and judgment. In their case, it had been because of their past where they had lived so much within the, the city of, uh, within the society around them that they became so fully caught up in that society that they forgot, in fact, their commitment to God. And they'd begun to worship other gods. 
They began to live by the values of the other pagan people rather than by God's values. They'd forgotten the purposes for which God had called them and, and why they were to be his people. And that for them is what had resulted in their exile. And they are called to remember their mistakes that they had made that had led them to this and what had contributed to their dilemma, mistakes to be avoided to the future. And we too need to ensure that we learn both from the positive experiences that we've had of God's activity amongst us as well as any mistakes that we've made in our own lives that we do not repeat them. That isn't to put blame anywhere. But for each of us personally and for us as a church community to consider what we might do to ensure that we don't make ongoing errors or mistakes from the past into the future. And what might we continue to value? And what do we need to continue to live by? Knowing that God has been with us in the past. May we never forget our past. There's much of our past to celebrate. There are also things we need to be careful about moving forward. This transition time, this period of time, is an opportunity to learn from that. The third element relates to the area of their values, their loyalties, their priorities. They were still to be different from the society, from the world around them. They weren't to go and live in some kind of ghetto to be separated from their local community. They're actually to be involved in the city, in the society, building homes, taking wives. Their function in verse 7 was to seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. To seek the peace and the prosperity, that is the welfare of the place where they presently were. To seek their blessing, to be a blessing to the society in which they find themselves. You see, God's people are called to seek the welfare in the society in which God has called us to be. There was a danger for them, as it can be for us in the here and now, to be so self-consumed and to be so full of self-pity and self-focused. For them, they wanted to be back in Jerusalem. They wanted to be back where they were more comfortable. So much so that they had become paralysed from ministering beyond themselves in the here and now. And they began to neglect God's call to reach out to those outside of his kingdom. The very purpose for which they existed. A Christian and a non-Christian are meeting together. Why it is so often we Christians insist that it has to be the Christian to be the uncomfortable one? 
You see, we are to seek the welfare of this city, of this wider community in New Testament terms, in loving all, which includes expressing the gospel in both word and deed. And anything that is less than for everyone's welfare within our cities to be opposed, particularly on behalf of the oppressed and the disadvantaged and the marginalised. God's people are different. We are to be generous of heart. We are to be generous of spirit. We are to be generous of word. We're not to be part of this great apathetic mass that the world is producing today that only cares for number one and thinks only of themselves while not caring for the peace and the prosperity of our neighbours. And through it all, we are, through, through seeking the welfare of the city, we know that our welfare is involved too. Now precisely what that means takes us back to 1 Peter 2, where Peter begins uh, with how we are to relate to the authorities. And he goes on from there and talks about the ways that we are to live in various relationships. Uh, servants, wives, husbands, including how we are to relate to each other and especially those who are different from us. And there's a clear echo of 1 Peter, uh, in, in 1 Peter verse 12 when he says, live such good lives among the Gentiles that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. These are also the echoes of the words of Jesus when he spoke in regards to our position in the world when he said that we are to be like salt, not salt that is kept in a cellar, that is kept away and never used. If that is all salt is, then Jesus says it ought to be just tossed in the street. And where to be light? Not one that is hid. If we light a candle and we put something over the top of it, all we have is a burnt wick. No light at all. We have nothing to illuminate the darkness. God wants us to be involved in our community, in our city. And then in verse 7, as well as telling us on how to live, the Lord through Jeremiah tells the people to pray for the city. And that's a remarkable command for the Jews to pray for this hated heathen nation that had taken them away into exile in a very barbaric way. But they're asked to intercede on their behalf after all the way they've been treated. The prayer is necessary. It's absolutely essential for the deepest welfare of any place involves spiritual principles. We notice the prophetic vision of his people focuses on prayer in verses 12 to 13 when he says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I'll listen to you. You will seek with me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. We're encouraged too by the words of Jesus 
in our seeking and finding when Jesus talks about seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness first. You see, the possibilities of God's action in the world are enormous. And we need to allow God to stretch our minds and our hearts to capture a vision of those possibilities even during this transition time, not only for the future. And so we are called to pray for our church and we are called to pray for our city. And then the fourth element is found in Jeremiah 29, verses 10 and 11. We're here, there's a sense of great future, the promise of hope. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You see, even though we are to continue during this period to worship and to minister and to care for one another, even though we are to continue to seek the welfare of the city, God has far much more to bring. God has far much more to come. And he will deliver us and he will give us a great future. In the short term, sometimes our future may appear uncertain. We may be unsure what the future holds. We may not currently know where God is actually leading us or taking us. We may be called to reach out right into the unknown. Yes, God has something for us to be doing in the here and now. However, in the long term, we have to get ready. We have to be prepared that God may move us beyond our current circumstances to something very, very different. Because our future is never to be confined with to the present. Our future is not to be confined to it. Ultimately, our future won't be fulfilled even in this place. I will gather you from all the places and I will bring you back to the back to the place from which I sent you into exile, says the Lord through the prophet. For Israel, that meant returning to the holy city, Jerusalem. For us as Christians, as people of faith today, it'll be eternity with Christ. For we have no lasting city, but we seek a city that's to come, one that will be ultimately become our home. For we know that our future will be sealed with Christ. But he alone gives our present meaning and he gives our present purpose. And he beckons us into the future with certain hope. Friends, in Christ, we have a future that's certain. We can hear God through the scriptures saying, I have plans for you. God will look after the future. That day to which we and all Christians of all ages look to, the day he visits us. However, in the meantime, we have present responsibilities and commitments. And we are called during this period to worship our God with all our heart and soul and strength. We are called to fellowship and to care for each other. We are called to minister to one another. And there are opportunities to contribute 
to the lives of those outside of the church and to seek their welfare and to pray for them. Finally, looking again at 1 Peter 2 and verse 12. Let us during this period of time live such good lives amongst the Gentiles that though they may accuse us of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Let us live for the future now. Knowing that the future lies in the hands of God, we need to be opening ourselves up to him to allow him to minister to us now. Let us pray. Father, whatever we feel, whatever we think about our current circumstances, Father, we pray that we will continue to have confidence that you are with us in the here and now as you will lead us and take us into a renewed future. Help us, we pray, to be open to you changing and sh- and working in our own lives. May you prepare us for what is to come. In Jesus' name, amen.